to the Red Dog Road Podcast, a program for people seeking a deeper perspective on the outdoors, sports, and personal performance. And now, here is your host, Nick Pinizzato. Hello, friends, and welcome once again to the Red Dog Road Podcast. This is episode number 12, Where Have We Been? And where have we been? Uh, The title of this show is largely because we have been missing for the past six weeks. And we wanted to make sure that we let you know that the podcast is still alive and well. But we've had a number of different reasons, which we'll we'll go through on the catch-up show today as to why we haven't been putting the show together. But we are here back together. And I will go ahead and just confess right off the bat that this is the third attempt <laughs> to get this show started again. And we started to record the last time I said, you know what, let's just go ahead and start over fresh. And that's what we've done. So with that, I'd like to bring in the co-host of the Red Dog Road podcast, Mr. Mike Groman. Mike, great to have you back. It's great to be back. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, as we were talking about before we tried our third attempt at recording, <laughs> It's amazing how quickly you lose the rhythm of just getting everything set up properly, having things the way you want it. You mentioned about, let me get my feet set a certain way. Uh, so there really is kind of an art to this. And it's it's like, I guess, many things. I, I'll just maybe golf as an example. If you put it down for a while and go back and try to pick it up, it's not as easy as what you'd hope. Yeah, this is definitely a perishable skill. It is a perishable skill. I like that. I like that. So let's go ahead and do this. As a review for the people that have hung with us here, which we appreciate. Last show, we had talked largely about poaching and whether or not it was an epidemic, but let's let's keep it a little bit more on our own personal end of things here. And this was the show where I think it was that same morning you had gone out on public land in Pennsylvania and shot a nice gobbler and recapped right. that story. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was a, a good time. And little did I know that the very next day, I was going to have some success. So we're going to go all the way back to early May, right after Mike shot his turkey, and just try to pick up all of the chain of events and things that have happened because there's been a number of things going on between the two of us. And uh, But let me, let me talk about that turkey first because I think this would be a cool way to kick off the show. And we have done a turkey hunting blunder show. We talked about Mike's turkey that he shot. He went through the story, which was really cool. And in the meantime, I was chasing this particular bird in Ohio. And, and when people hear me say particular bird, they're thinking, well, what do you mean? You actually honed in on a single turkey. And I did. I had trail cameras out there and I was aware that this older bird was there and had gotten good enough pictures that I could see that he had really nice spurs. And he was kind of the bird I was pinpointing. And lo and behold, the day after we had uh, the last podcast episode, I had a chance to go out and chase this bird. And it was only the third day that I had hunted him because I was trying to be really cautious. If you mess up, if you really mess up on an older bird like that, it could be the end of your chances. He's going to become super wary. You might not get another chance. So the first two times I hunted him, I just was really laid back. And if he didn't come to me hard, I wasn't going to go chasing after him. And finally, this was the type of morning and he was located in an area where I was comfortable making the decision to go ahead and be a little more aggressive. And you know, there are so many lessons you can learn from, from any time in the outdoors, but turkeys can just teach us so many lessons about about a hundred different things. And in this particular hunt, I learned a lot of different lessons because it took me three different setups before I finally got my shot on the bird. And another thing you'll recall from the last episode is we had talked about, we were talking about poaching 
and we were talking about making making the right decision when you're in a position and no one can see you and only you will know if you made the right decision the ethical decision and it's so funny because i was almost laughing because when i moved in on this bird i could see him strutting with one single hen and i knew it was my bird at least i felt pretty confident that it was him and of course he was on the neighbor's property now I have no no problem calling the bird back on (laughs) to my property from the neighbors. He started on my property, went to the neighbors, but I wasn't going to go shoot him on the neighbor's property. So my original setup on this bird, I was sitting there and he was well within range, but he was actually on the neighbor's property. And I just, I wasn't going to shoot him. And I was thinking about our discussion at the podcast and I thought, well, if I'm going to get this bird, he's going to have to come to me. And at one point, what I was able to do was call the hen. I got her irritated and she came looking for me, but she was literally right off the end of my boot. And she saw me before he was able to come across the property line and they both kind of split up. And I got a little bit lucky when that happened because the hen went one way and the gobbler went another. And I thought, well, here's an opportunity to take advantage of this. So uh, I went running up the hillside and got, got into my blind and set my decoys out. And there's this area up there that I really like where it's kind of lower, lower cut grass. The landowner keeps the grass cut there and and the gobblers really like to strut there. So I set the decoys out and got in the blind and just started doing a little bit of putting and purring and even a couple key key runs like I would do in the fall. And nothing responded right away. I never heard the bird gobble. So I thought, well, I'll go ahead and just catch up on my email this morning. Well, the second I looked at my phone and looked up again, wasn't that son of a gun standing out there? face-to-face with my Jake decoy. And we're talking 15 yards outside the blind window. So it caught me off guard. I I reached for my gun. And even though I I felt pretty confident that he didn't notice me in the blind, this is an older bird, a smart bird. And I I just kind of waited until he turned his head away from me before I drew on him, before I pulled the gun up. And wouldn't you know it, I missed that turkey at that short distance. I think it was maybe even 10 yards after I stepped it off. And I think what happened was I didn't have the the sight on him as good as I should have at that close of a distance. And I missed him. The pattern wasn't wide enough. And it must have just come so close, though. It really startled him. He only ran a short distance after that. And he ra- and ran right into a shooting lane that I had just trimmed a few days before. And I was able to shoot him then after missing him the first time. So, uh, but at any rate, it was, it was an exciting hunt. And I get up to this bird and uh, actually that's not even true. I'm telling a bit of a fib. I think Mike, I was sending you some text messages that I had shot one. Yes, actually you were sending text and picture messages because usually when we succeed like that, (laughs) I think the first person I think of when I, drop something or harvest something is you and and i'm oh, i gotta send nick a picture i gotta send him a text and you did the exact same thing i just had gotten in the hotel uh in portsmouth and my phone buzz you know buzzes and it was you and i realized i'm like oh and there's there's got to be a picture to attach this and sure enough it starts to download and, and there's that bird so yeah really excited for you i'll i won't spoil anything but um this was a really really unique and exciting bird and i'll let you continue with your story Yeah, it ended up being unique because, well, first of all, I I just took a quick picture on the ground. I knew he was a good long beard and that he was the, I I felt like the bird I was after, but then I didn't really take a good look at him. I just kind of 
got him on the ground, snapped a quick picture. And then I went down to my truck because I can drive my truck all the way up to where the bird was. And I like to spend a, a lot of extra time with the pictures because I think the pictures are important. They retell the story of the hunt. So I was, all my gear was down there. So I wanted to bring all my, my camera and my gear up. And when I started to take a really good look at the bird, I realized that not only was he the bird I was after, but that he actually had double spurs which is something I had never seen before. And it turns out that it's quite rare. And so he not only was it the target bird that I was after, he ended up being quite the unique trophy. And it's going to cost me a little bit of a taxidermy bill. I'm not going to do a full body mount or anything. I've already got a few of those to take up enough space, but I'm going to get something done with his tail and get those spurs displayed nicely. And uh, he ended up being just kind of a really unique trophy. And it was a uh, really a, an awesome way to, to, to cap really my Ohio season because I never I never went back out again even though I could get a second tag I didn't get back out I was just so mm-hmm. satis- satisfied with that bird and um, yeah I mean I don't think well, you ever set out to kill one with two spurs but I'll take it well I am going to uh, tell on you a little bit you actually did go out a little bit later that day but it wasn't to, to hunt or to fill a tag was it <laughs> Well, you know, now that you say that, this this just goes to show you how long it's been since we've done a show because I forgot this. <laughs> I didn't. All right. Yeah, I know. Of course you wouldn't. But I, and I do well, appreciate I didn't you bring, to prove it, though. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing this up because this is typical of me, right? This is this is typical of me. So I get home, and I'm looking things over, and I contacted the taxidermist, and I realize I can't find the beard. Like where in the heck is the beard of this turkey? Surely it's in my in my vest. wasn't in my vest. wasn't in the bag. wasn't in my truck. So even though it's completely out of the out of the way, all I can do is jump in my truck and drive all the way back to the farm. Forty forty five minutes, and lo and behold, there was the beard. I, I was so lucky, but the beard was laying in the grass right where I had parked my truck. So it must have fallen on the ground, and I almost didn't have the beard to this turkey. So, it was a nice uh, beard. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It was a nice bird. Yeah, it was. And I, and I mean, how do you how do you go through with any taxidermy if you don't have the beard? For heaven's sakes, <laughs> um, you know. I, I guess I could have taken one of my old beards and and used that as a fill in. But anyway, I, I I just couldn't have had the perfect morning, right? I had to have a a B team blooper in there, and I, I guess <laughs> nobody should be surprised by that. So, at any rate, um, that was that was awesome, and. Uh, like I said, you can learn a lot of lessons from turkeys. And there are several that I learned from that hunt that I'll probably eventually share over time. But I want to go ahead and launch into our Red Dog Road segment next because this the turkey story is fresh in your mind. And I think it relates well to one of my talk, what I want to talk about. So let's go ahead and take our walk down Red Dog Road. The focus of the Red Dog Road segment, the, the Walk Down Red Dog Road segment, this episode is, this is just a simple phrase. And I, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, and this came up in one of the ones that I listened to. And it was, believe in what if, as opposed to what is. And really, the point of that is, I see so many people that have so much potential or could be doing so many things, but they put so many barriers in front of themselves or they, they look at themselves in, in terms of the what is. They, they see what they are and they think, well, this is who I am. This is all I can be. And they don't believe in the what if. 
And even going back to this turkey hunt, the what is at the beginning of that hunt for me was, here's this bird that when I tracked him down after my initial setup, he was on the neighbor's land. And I could have just given up at that point, or I could have tried to bring him onto an area where I could shoot him. And even after doing that, I spooked the bird. Now, I think at a younger time in my hunting career, I probably probably would have just given up at that point because I assumed if I spooked that bird, I'd never get him again. But through experience and believing in the what if, what if I hurry up and run my rear end up over that hillside and get in that blind, set the decoys out? What if I do that? What could be the outcome? And certainly, what would be the harm in doing that? And because I, went, I did that, I was able to take my nicest, uh, this is my nicest Eastern gobbler. And I've, I've shot several now over the years, but this was easily my nicest Eastern uh, wild turkey. And it was because I believed in the what if as opposed to the what is. And I just relate that to so many different things. We've been away for six weeks and I can tell you through business meetings and other things, it's almost frightening the number of conversations I have with people where they're so focused on the what is, the here and now, what's going on right now. And they fail to have that vision for the what if, what they what what can they be if they're willing to put the effort in. And Mike, maybe you can relate to that as well. Yeah, I sure can. I mean, I, I deal with that almost every day. We have students that are taking their first step into their professional career, trying to get through a rather rigor- rigorous academic program. I'm in one myself right now. And you really have to hold on to a sense of faith or a dream or an end goal that keeps you going forward and not let you get tripped up on barriers or succumb to challenges that you believe that you can't overcome though you have never tried to overcome it. So it, uh, it speaks to me a lot. I'm actually for one of my classes right now, reading the book grit by Angela duck duckworth. And it, it talks a lot about that where it's not how smart you are. It's not how, athletically talented you are, but it's how willing you are to challenge that moment and think about what the desired outcome is and push through to a successful outcome. And and you're a perfect a perfect example of this, Mike, because even in your own career and now that you're you're back in school, you were you had a great career. Uh, doing the work that you were doing and you just decided, you know what, I want to do something different. I want to change it up. I want to do something that's better for me and my family. And and you just did it. And that's to be admired. And uh, when we're talking about you being in school, and as a matter of fact, this past weekend, I said, Hey, Mike, we're, we have a tea time at three and we're going to be in town. Do you want to get together? And your response was what? I'm in class. <laughs> <laughs> so Which you're is- doing it though, right? That's the point. It is, but, you know, and I appreciate you giving me credit, but what I don't want everyone out there to realize is that it's not like you have done nothing either. I I mean, I can remember that conversation we had when um, you were living here, when you told me that you were going to move to North Dakota. And that was one of those what if moments, you know, the the interview process and being offered the job. And, you know, you, you had that conversation with your wife and you latched onto that what if moment and look where it's 
put you right now very successful career and almost everything that you've landed in or touched has become in my opinion a very good success well i appreciate that i think you're being generous only because you zapped me earlier with my turkey beard story but <laughs> but no i think at the end of the day right it comes down to the want to and it comes down to uh, believing in the what if as opposed to the what is and i think those of you, we assume most of the people that listen to this show are outdoors people, and I'm sure you can think back to many instances and lessons in the outdoors that can, that can relate to that, times where you maybe were about to give up and found success, and that really does translate into many things in life as well, and I think that is appropriate for our walk down Red Dog Road this week. So let's go ahead and transition now to where the heck have we been <laughs> Um, we already told the turkey story. Um, I'll share another quick one and I'll, we'll jump to you, Mike. But another thing that happened was a, a week after I had shot that turkey in Ohio, I, I teamed up with Ryan Bronson, who we had on the show uh, earlier in one of the earlier episodes when his dog had passed away and we talked with Ryan. Well, Ryan and I went out to Kansas and we had some ridiculous success out there. We each killed two Rio Grande gobblers in two days worth of hunting. And I don't think we put a lot of hours in. And I, I'm going to say it was probably a testament more to some uneducated birds than it was to our skill level. But it, but at any rate, we did have some skill. So that that pretty much wrapped up my uh, my turkey hunting for the spring to get three really nice long beards. I, I really couldn't ask for more than that. So, uh, and with you, I guess uh, let's see you with with you teaching. I guess you had a semester end and, and started some classwork your own. Uh, so there's been some stuff going on in your life there too. Right. Uh, the day after we did our last podcast, I did head to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And again, I must apologize to anybody from that location or is familiar with that location. When I was overemphasizing the word Portsmouth, because that's how it's spelled. And then when I got there and began to listen to the news and the radio stations, they they kind of blend it together and they refer to it as Portsmouth or Portsmouth, M-U-T-H. So I apologize to anyone up there when, when I was over-exaggerating the word or the portion of the word mouth. But I uh, had a conference there, uh, presented uh, two specific topics in education and had a really good time and came home. Didn't uh, We had graduation then thereafter for our uh, graduating third year DPT students. So we got to send those off, which was exciting because they were my very first class in the program. And uh, that was kind of a, a touching moment because they were so gracious when I came into the program. They tolerated my um, imperfections, let's just say, coming out of the clinic and going into academia. So uh, it was really nice to see them mature uh, and they're going to start wonderful careers all on their own. So I'm very proud of each and every last one of them. Uh, went up to camp, put in a food plot that you and I had been talking about. I had one that was getting a little bit tired. So we turned it over and replanted it. And for me, that was about it. I haven't done too much exciting other than the fact that I sent you those pictures that after all those years of working on habitat improvements, my property up in New York has never been wonderful for turkeys. It really just hasn't. And I went and collected a camera that I had on one of my clover plots. And in the third week in April or so, it just filled up with turkeys all of a sudden. I sent you pictures. There was three actual long beards and in full strut with nine hens around the area. So all that hard work that you know Dominic and myself have put in is finally starting to pay off. I didn't hunt 
that area. I purposefully wanted to um, not pressure those turkeys too overly much. I'm trying to establish a certain population in that area as well as a couple of my neighbors. So uh, that was a, probably the one of the highlights of my spring as well. Yeah, I mean, you say you, you didn't do a lot, but you actually have done quite a bit. And I think sometimes you just don't realize. But yeah, that's a great accomplishment to almost like a proud, proud parent moment when you see your your property yielding that type of activity, having turkeys there. And I think that's exciting stuff and something for you to look forward to. And now you're back in class now, I know. And it just, it kind of never ends. But eventually, you're, you're not going to be in class anymore. When I say, hey, we have a three o'clock tea time, we're, we're going to be able to do it. Heck yeah. I mean, we have, we never got together. We, we tried to get together to fish. Um, we never talked about getting together to hunt, but, um, and then we missed this golfing opportunity. It's just really, we just have really dynamic lives that don't seem to match up very often. Yeah. Talk about barriers. We need to remove some of those things <laughs> so that we can get together and do something. Um, so I'll just jump into a few other things that have happened and this will maybe help you understand a little bit more why we've, we've been gone for six weeks. Uh, First of all, my family and I, my, my wife and I have made the decision that, that we were going to get a different home here in the, in the Columbus, Ohio area. And when we moved here, it's not that our, our home now isn't nice or anything like that. It's just that we didn't put a lot of time or thought into school districts or anything like that. And lo and behold, we end up having our son in our early 40s. And we said, you know what, before he gets to school age, let's make sure we get the things that we want and, and try to make that transition. So we started house hunting made the decision to do that. And we thought we bought this house. Matter of fact, it was the first one that we looked at and that we knew we were going to like even before we got to it. And so we start this process of, well, first of all, our offers accepted and we're, we're moving down the path, right? So we start getting our own house ready to sell at this point. And there's uh, really, if you want to do it right, you have to what they call stage the house. And that means you have to get pretty much as much stuff out of your house as possible so that they can stage it correctly for the photos and to have an open house. And for me, I have a lot of taxidermy and I had to get all of that out of the house and into storage. And that was a job in itself, among other things. So we spent the next better part of the next two weeks getting ready to stage our house, thinking about moving. So the podcast was taking a bit of a back seat only to end up not end up buying the house because the appraisal did not match up with our offer, it came in lower than what our offer was. And whenever we tried to renegotiate with the sellers, it's long story short, it didn't work out. So we ended up not buying the house. And so now half of our stuff is in storage and half of our stuff is in our house while we're still waiting to find the ideal spot. So that was a big setback. Uh, then I also had the Memorial Golf Tournament. I think I'd mentioned in an earlier episode, I'm a marshal for that tournament, the Jack Nicholas's PGA Golf Tournament here in, in Columbus, Ohio. And I worked that for the better part of that week, um, which is a lot of work. And, and when you get home, believe me, you're exhausted at the end of the day. Uh, so nothing happened. And then on top of all of that, I changed internet service providers. So the, the provider we had previously was, um, well, it's, it's called WOW. I think it stands for Wide Open West or something like that. It, it was It was good when it was working, but the problem was it would go down all the time. And they were constantly working on it. And I just thought, you know, we, we just need more reliable internet. So then we, we hooked up with AT&T and got this package where we get our direct TV and our internet and everything, our phone through AT&T and get it all set up. And I think, okay, everything's perfect. Now we're ready to go only to find out that we had a huge issue with our internet speed. 
we were getting just these ridiculously low download and upload speeds. And it took me the better part of three weeks to get someone back out here to look at it. And it's interesting because, and yes, I'm picking on AT&T a little bit, and I, I think they deserve it in this case. Um, it was so easy to get the service when you go into the store and they sell it to you and everyone's so nice and this is going to be wonderful when you walk out of there on cloud nine. But let me tell you how difficult it is to actually get somebody back out when there's a problem. So at any rate, we were able to have a technician out last week and it looks like the problem has been fixed. We seem to be all systems go again. And as we're recording here tonight, I can see it looks like things are running smoothly. So I'll knock on wood and make sure that continues. Uh, so that was a big barrier to us getting a show done. And then I was at the, the NSSF, a National Shooting Sports Foundation Industry Summit, which is a huge event that I love to go to every year. And it was down in Hilton Head. And one highlight I want to I want to give you from that is uh, there was a speaker that had several good speakers, but one that really stood out to me was the last one. His name's Phil Hansen. He's an artist. Look him up, Phil Hansen, the artist. And he talks about overcoming adversity, and it lends itself so well to the many things that we talk about here on our show in overcoming barriers and check out if you get a chance search phil hansen and check out some of his awesome work it just really really stuck with me he was the last speaker of the day uh, i've been to dc i went and spoke to legislators a couple weeks ago in dc about chronic wasting disease and while i was there we signed a really uh, through the national deer alliance signed a really cool memorandum of understanding with theodore roosevelt conservation partnership uh, to work on chronic wasting disease and Matter of fact, I'm leaving on Thursday to go up to uh, the Adirondacks to a meeting where we're going to be doing some more planning about chronic wasting disease and how our non-government organizations can work together to uh, do as strong a job as possible to, to do what we can to deal with that disease. And um, matter of fact, I'm hoping to get a couple interviews, at least one interview while I'm up there. I'll be taking my recorder with me because we've also been a little bit lax on getting guests on the show. And that's something that we need to improve. We will improve. So that might be a really good opportunity to do that. And then in between all of that, my my brother and his wife had their baby, welcomed their baby, Samuel Lawrence, into the family, which was very exciting. Uh, it's their first son. Um, and they, they already have a daughter who's a little bit older. But um, at any rate, uh, had the baptism just this past weekend. So that means it's a trip to Pennsylvania. We pack up and drive back for, for a few days. And we had to deal with that. So that's a lot going on, as you can see. And I'm not a big excuse maker, but you can at least put all those things together and see, well, I can understand why they didn't get a show done, especially one that uh, we don't, we're not relying on sponsors or anything like that. So been a lot going on. And um, anyway, I hope that we're back. I hope that the internet is back up and running in a good way for us. We don't have to deal with it. And really looking forward to being a little bit more consistent here and bringing you a show because we've we've gained a good number of listeners. We've gotten good feedback and it's, we've, we've got to stay committed to doing it. So, um, man, Mike, let me catch my breath. Say something. Well, I, I mean, I think that you really did a good job kind of filling in the gaps of where we've been. You and I keep in contact via text message and occasional phone calls, but I guess to you, the listener, what you need to hear us say is that we are committed to this and um, we really want to make sure that when we do get back and up and running with this being the first step in that, that we're committed to, to do it at a level that would make both uh, A-type personalities similar to Nick and myself very proud. So um, that we, we do talk a lot behind the scenes about 
what we probably should be doing to make sure that we're going to bring entertaining episodes to you week after week, or, you know, at least a couple times a month based on our schedules. But, um, it's something that we're really committed to. And, and I don't want to say that I'm apologizing for the, for the gap in time, but you know, when, when you have dedicated listeners out there, you do feel that you owe them at least an explanation, which is what we're trying to get done here and make that next step into bringing an entertaining show forward the next time we come back to you. Yeah. More than anything else, what we want to do is we want to be helpful to people. And that, that's where I, I really appreciate getting the feedback. People like the Red Dog Road segment, for example, and that we get into some of these deeper topics and uh, lessons learned and uh, a little bit of motivation in there, I think, as well. So that's that's the main thing. And if we stay consistent, we have a better chance of helping you that way. Uh, so we want to do that for sure. And uh, let's not dwell on it, though. I think anytime you have something new, it takes some time to get it going just the way you want it. So we'll get there. We'll get there for sure. Uh, but I want to talk about... What we're, what we're thinking about heading into, believe it or not, it's time to start thinking about what deer season looks like this fall. And Mike, I've at least been out one time to when I was out bringing my turkey blinds out of the woods, I was able to at least start looking around and getting some pathways trimmed out for deer stands and trail cameras, which I'll be setting here usually around the first week of July. So I'm at least thinking ahead that way. How about you? I'm doing the same. Uh, we had the conversation a couple of weeks ago. I pulled all of my stands in, oh, I think the end of May, and I will do a complete and total maintenance overhaul of each one to make sure that they are safe. And um, for me, I always kind of hold back a little bit. Uh, last year, I think I was a little bit too aggressive with how much time I spent in my property getting things done midsummer because of obviously the time constraints. But this year, I'm I'm going to definitely back out here very, very shortly. I have one more field to terminate with uh, glyphosate and then let that um, die off and then replant for the fall. But I'm, I'm only going to hang a couple stands this year. I'm going to really lay off of my property this fall. I'm only going to hunt it. My guess is if I'm lucky about four or five days and I've been collecting enough stats over the past several years that I know which week is the sweet spot at my place. And I'm only going to invest time in it at that point in time with a bow and then not go back in until muzzleloader season up in New York. So, um, I, I have my plan set. So now it's just a matter of getting things set in motion and, gauging how it turns out, which is always the exciting part, the, the what if part of it. I think when you're managing land, it makes, you can very quickly make your your deer hunting seasons or your hunting seasons in general, your time outdoors becomes a 365 day a year endeavor. You're either doing something, you're at least thinking about doing something. And that's, um, you know, you always have something to look forward to. And I know a lot of times it's hard work, but whenever you and I talk, as you'd mentioned earlier, I can always sense your excitement when you're talking about the things you're doing up there, which is, which is awesome stuff. And yeah, I need to, I don't own the land that I hunt on, but I have got a good relationship with the farmers there and the other guys that I hunt with. And uh, we're starting to just kick, kick around a little bit and think about what the possibilities are talking about deer that made it through last year that we expect might be out there this year. And, um, the guys that do own or manage land are thinking about fall food plots that you want to get in the ground here by, by August and then start praying for rain to, to come and, uh, and douse them down and get them going. So 
it's getting to be an exciting time here. People are seeing fawns and starting to see antlers forming on deer. And I think one thing that's going to be a little different for me, I don't have any, I don't have any trips planned. That's why it was important for Ryan and I to just get out to Kansas for a few days. Uh, That's unusual for me. So it looks like right now, as it stands at this moment, it's just going to pretty much just be focused my deer hunting time in Ohio. Well, you always have an open invite to my place. You know that. Well, this, this may be the year. So we'll have to, we'll have to keep that in mind. And, uh, I'd love, I'd love to do it for sure. We'll have to remove a barrier. Maybe I've just removed a barrier (laughs) to to be able to get up there and, and that would be awesome. So, um, so with that, Mike, do you have uh, anything you want to close with today? Um, I really don't. I mean, it's to me, I'm just completely swamped in school. I teach two days a week for my students, and then I'm in class two days a week because the summer con- uh, sessions are condensed. So full day teaching on Tuesday, full day teaching on Wednesday, and then I'm in class full day Friday, full day Saturday. So it's it's just that hot and heavy time where you just need to get through it and um I don't have anything exciting to report, unfortunately. No, I think that's fine because you have plenty going on. And I think that's the point of it all. And I know a lot of people listening do as well, listening uh, to this do as well. So, uh, and, and I'm still chasing around a, an increasingly active toddler. I know my wife is, she's worn out from the last couple of days. That guy's got a ton of energy. Uh, Going to be a night, actually today, as of today, he's 19 months old. So uh, it's not getting any easier here either. So uh, with that though, it was good to get back in here and blow the dust off this thing and, and get back rolling and appreciate you being patient, patient with us. If you have an idea for a guest, please let us know. If you have an idea for show topics, let us know. And remember, believe in the what if as opposed to the what is and take that with you throughout the rest of the week. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Red Dog Road Podcast. If you like what you heard here, please consider subscribing and telling your friends. You can also visit the website and blog at reddogroad.net.